Good morning, Skillman Church of Christ. So happy to see each and every one of you today. This was a commercial that was made by a hospital, I believe, in Cleveland. And uh, it's a wonderful example of what the world would look like if we could really, truly see what those that we encounter are going through each and every day. I mean, that hospital video, it's, it's, it's an amazing depiction. There are people who have just received the best news of their life. There's no cancer. Mom's okay. But then there are also in the same room, crossing the same space, are people who have received some news that's devastating, uh, that will change their life forever. And so today, as we talk about this word, care, and we talk about our job as Christians and caring for each other and also the world. What would it look like if we could see, just like that video, what people are going through? What would it look like if we could step in their shoes? If we could see for a moment what they see or feel for a moment how they feel. There's that, that book, that famous book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Has anybody read that book? Well, there's that famous story, well, the story that Covey tells at the time that he's on this subway. And it's a New York subway, so it's jam-packed with people. And he's sitting there, and it's nice and calm. And he's, I'm sure he's listening to something and, or reading something. And all of a sudden, the door opens, and this father and two sons burst through the subway. And the father sits down, and the kids just go crazy. And they're yelling and they're screaming and causing ruckus. And it got to the point where Stephen Covey was sitting there and, you know, you don't try to help other parents parent. <laughs> you know, that's, that's like a, a no-no. But it got to the point where he had to maybe say something to this father because it was causing such a distraction. So he kind of taps this, this father on, on the shoulder and he kind of has his face down and oblivious to what's going on. And Stephen Covey says, hey, uh, did you notice your kids are kind of causing some commotion here in the subway? I, I don't know if you want to address that. And the father kind of wakes up from a daze, and he says, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. I, I should probably attend to them. You see, we just got back. We're, we're going home. We just left the hospital where they learned, and I learned, that my wife and their mother just died about two hours ago. And so I'm still trying to process this, and I don't know what to do. And so right then and there, when, in the story, when Stephen Covey, when he sat in the, in the, the place or in, walked in the shoes of this individual, his perspective changed. It came, the posture changed from one of judgment and condemnation to one of empathy and understanding. And uh, he began to ask how he could help. So what would it look like if we could truly see what people are going through or feel what they're going through, just like this, this video here, if we could just see a bubble image above their heads, I think that it would, it would breathe, breed empathy. It would breed compassion. I think that we would be kinder to each and the people that maybe cross our paths. You know, just as a spiritual practice for me, something that I've been practicing spiritually when I drive. Uh, you know, when you drive in Dallas, sometimes there's people that cut you off or they're going really fast down the street and almost, you know, break your rear view, <laughs> your side mirror. As a spiritual practice, I've been practicing imagining. And you may want to try this too, if you want to. Imagining that there's a pregnant lady in that car that's giving birth to a baby. And they need to go as fast as they can to the hospital. Or there's someone who has a, a, an injury and they're rushing them to the emergency room. Anyway, that, that exercise in, a, in and of itself has helped me with my road rage. <laughs> 
<laughs> because instead of me thinking, oh man, this selfish driver is just cutting me off, trying to get to the building faster than me, if I imagine in my brain that there's a pregnant lady in there, and that really they are on their way to, to give birth to a baby, in, like in the movies, it really helps with my empathy and compassion. And it helps me, instead of being so angry in the road range, to, <laughs> to be a little nicer there on the road. And there's a story in Genesis, in the first book of the Bible, that talks about God seeing humanity. If you have your Bibles today, it's in Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. And if you, have one, if you don't have a Bible today, we have these Bibles that are in front of you in the pew. And so you can take it, you can read it. If you don't have a Bible, you can take this home. We won't charge you a thing. Just take it. But it's on page 22 in this Bible, Genesis chapter 16. And let me give you a little bit of background to this text. Because in Genesis chapter 16, there's three main characters. There's a guy named Abraham. And Abraham is the tribal leader. He's the boss. He's the one that where the descendants of Israel will come from him. He is the man. And Abraham is married to who? Sarah. There we go. That's Bible Trivia 101. Abraham is married to, to Sarah. And there was a prophecy given that the descendants of, of Israel would come from Abraham. But here's the problem. Sarah can't get pregnant. <laughs> Sarah has been infertile at this point in the story. And so there's this promise that was given, but there's no children. And so they began to panic. They began to wonder, well, may maybe we're doing something wrong. And so at that time in history, uh, Sarah had a mistress, a, a slave named Hagar from Egypt. And so they said, well, here's the deal. <clears throat> Abraham, get to know her in, in the biblical sense. Get to know her, and maybe she can produce an heir for you, and that can help with our lineage. And so Abraham agrees, and they get to know each other in the biblical sense. And what happens is, is Hagar becomes pregnant. She becomes pregnant with child. Well, Sarah didn't anticipate this happening so fast. I don't think she got a little jealous. I think she was a little bit perturbed. And so she begins to treat Hagar unfairly. And treat her, her bad and condemn her and cast her out. And, and Hagar, it comes to the point where Hagar says, I cannot take this anymore. I'm a human being. I cannot be treated like this. And so she up and leaves. She leaves the tribe and she goes off in the desert walking for her freedom with a pregnant, with a pregnant belly, with a baby inside her. And she begins to walk. And who knows the feelings of emotion that she must have felt walking there in the desert with pregnant with child, not knowing where there'd be food or water or where she would go. And luckily, she finds this oasis, this spring in the middle of the desert. And this is where she sits down and she's getting the water. I'm sure there's relief that she has finally water to drink. She's still feeling the, her belly to make sure that the baby is still kicking. And as she's there at this spring, an angel of God comes to visit her and tells her that she has an incredible destiny to fulfill. That this son that's within her belly will be a leader, will be a great fighter, and will be a, a tribal leader of his own nation. And, and, and encourages Hagar to return back to fulfill her destiny. So if we could pick it up in verse 13. When the angel came and spoke to her in Genesis 16, 
verse 13, it says that the Lord talked to Hagar. The Lord found her. The Lord saw her and spoke to her. And she returned there to fulfill her purpose. And as she was leaving, she gave a new name to God. She, she gave a new name to God. In, in continuing in verse 13, it says that she began to use a new name for God. She said to him, you are God who sees me. You are God who sees me. She said this because she thought, I see that even in this place, God sees me and cares for me. Oh my goodness. Can you believe this story? I mean, normally in Scripture, it is God who's doing the naming. God names things. But this is the only time in Scripture, the only time in Scripture where somebody gives a name to God, gives God a name. And you know what? It's not a man. It's not a king. It's not a ruler. It's not an emperor. It's not a person who has the power. You know who gives God the name? The only person that gives God a name in Scripture is a woman. A slave woman. A woman who has zero power. Who has zero control. And she gives this new name to God because this woman, in a place of loneliness, in a place of vulnerability... She sees, she sees that God sees her. What an incredible story of God seeing humanity. It doesn't matter who you are. God sees you. He sees you in your pains. He sees you in your, your victories, in your losses, in your successes, in your failures. We serve a God who has a name that God sees you. I mean, just because I like to do this because it's so fun. Turn to the person next to you and say, God sees you, sees all of you. Just remind that person that God is a God that sees you. <laughs> just like that video, you guys, you probably have a little, like a, a blurb ahead on your head that God's looking and seeing exactly how you feel. Your hurts, your pains, your successes, your wins. And you see, this is a part of who God is. And so, of course, this is a part of who we are. Because we are God's children. We are God's hands and feet on earth. We have this same mission, the same goal to see others. To see the humanity in others. Just as God saw Hagar, we are called to see humanity in each and every one of us. It's been the, the work of the church since the very beginning. In the Old Testament, the New Testament, you can see time and time again, this is the work of the church to care for each other, to see each other. In fact, I was given this journal article uh, in preparation for this about God and uh, the church's role in caring ministries. And I took some quotes out five different quotes that I want to read from this article that talks about caring in Scripture, where we see it. And I think we have uh, the first one here. But this is from this article. It says, At the heart of Jewish theology is God whose primary concern was for mercy, justice, and love. At the heart of Jewish theology, God's primary concern was for mercy, justice, and love. And you can see this in Jeremiah. You can see this in Ezekiel. You can see this in Hosea, in Amos, in Micah 6, chapter 6, chapter 6, 6 verse 8 through 8. What does that text say? 
For I know what God requires of you, to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is at the very core of the Hebrew Scriptures. An examination of the Hebrew Bible reveals that there are 105 references to justice, 32 to compassion, and 21 to kindness. And many of these specifically refer to actions towards those in need. Let's continue. Through stories in the New Testament, such as the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, Jesus taught his followers to value and care for the needs of others, regardless of their worthiness or social status. The next one. Members of the early Christian church expressed their care in ways consistent with Jesus' example and teachings. Members sold their property and gave it to those who were in need. In Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45, Paul admonished those with resources to help those with needs without being judgmental. In Romans chapter 15, by doing this, they were fulfilling the law of Christ. And the last quotation I took from this article talks about 12 different ways that the early church engaged in social welfare. Since the earliest days, the church has engaged itself in at least 12 areas of social welfare welfare provision. Care of the widows, orphans, sick, poor, disabled, prisoners, captives, slaves, victims of calamity, burial, burial of those who died in poverty, provision of unemployment services and meals for the hungry. Does this guy get you fired up? What the church has been up to since the very beginning of time? This is good work. This is seeing people in their greatest needs. This is the work of the church. This is our work to contribute in ways where we care for those that are the most vulnerable, that are those that are in need. You can see it in the Old Testament. You can see it in the New Testament. You can see it in the early church. And this is why at the Skillman Church of Christ, we want to make this one of our primary missions. One of our, pri- one of our primary goals is to ensure that every single person here feels as though they are seen. Those that are on the edges, on the margins, those who can't come to church because of health reasons, those who are in in the hospitals dying, those that are just had a baby who need food. We want to create a system, an environment where that is taken care of, where there's a need. In fact, at one one point in this church's history, there is a part of the mission statement, wasn't it? I mean, I've seen letterheads and and some, uh, some papers with this Logan. It says, Skillman, people who... I couldn't hear you, bro. So that's, at one point, that was a part of the very fabric of this church, and it still is a priority to be people who, who care. People who care not only for each other, but people who care for the, those in our neighborhood, those in our city, those who are burdened, those that have the weight of life on their shoulders. And speaking on behalf of the elders and the ministers, this is something that we want to do very, very well. It's what, it wants to be our bread and butter. It wants, we want this to be something that when people think about the Skillman Church, they say, oh man, these are people who care. They're known for their love. It's, uh, it's, 
it's almost like uh, there's that commercial, uh, the AT&T commercial, where it talks about just okay is not okay. I think I have a photo of that, right? It's just okay is not okay. And when it comes to care, when it comes to care at this church, just okay is not okay. We want to be great. We want to be, be, be experts in this area where every single person feels as though they are seen. And we realize right now there's good things that are going on. There's good that's happening already. I mean, there are people who are visiting hospitals. There's people who have organized uh, food drives for young moms who just had their, their babies. There's people who are visiting those that are shut in. There's people who go and visit people who can't, who can't leave their homes, and they bring communion to these people. So these are good things happening. We have things that are happening. But here's the truth, and this is a deep need. As even though these, are, these things are happening, they're good happening, there are people that are falling through the cracks. There are people who haven't been here at this church in months that we, we don't know what's going on. There are people who haven't had a person visit them in the hospital. There are people who, who are in pain who we don't know because we, we're not doing as good as we want to in this area. There are people that are falling through the cracks. And usually, these are the people that are the most vulnerable. The people just like Hagar, who are alone, who are scared, who don't have that network to help them. But we want to be great. Just okay is not okay. We want to be, as a church, known by our love, known by our care. So a couple months ago, uh, the Gravois started coming to Skillman. And uh, Mike is, Mike Gravois, would you raise your hand, Mike? Will you raise your hand out here? Mike Gravois is a development director for this nonprofit called Lifeline Chaplaincy. And they are a, a nonprofit that deals with uh, visiting those in the hospital and helping families who are visiting loved ones in hospital. And so, you know, he has been a part of our church and really God's excited. And, and a couple months ago, they hosted this conference about how to care for those that are in, in pain and, and those that are mourning. And so we as a church, again, this is something that we want to be great at. It's okay, just okay, it's not okay. And so we signed up everybody. The elders went, the deacons, we invited all the deacons, all the ministers. We decided to go to Fort Worth on a Saturday and take part of this conference. And there's a picture of uh, some of the group that was there that day. And so we went there and we listened to several lectures about how to care for those that are in need, how to care for those that are mourning. What do you say when someone has an incredible loss in their life? What can, how can we theologically respond to these things? And one of the speakers was Nora Gravois. She was one of the speakers, and so she spoke, uh, a, she gave a session about dealing with those with dementia and Alzheimer's. And how to be a, a source of life for the caregivers of people who care for those with dementia and Alzheimer's. And I tell you this, it doesn't show, but that room was standing room only. I mean, it goes all the way back. There was people that had to stand up. It was, it was packed full of people because of the need for this in our world today. So after this meeting, we caught wind of Nora's expertise. And so Craig... Craig Gray said, hey, let's start a care group, support, a support group for caregivers after church here at Skillman. And so they began to talk about what that would look like in care and all this. Well, one thing leads to another, and the elders were captivated by what 
care, a systematic vision of care could look like in this congregation. Someone who's a social worker, who has the background, who has 15 letters behind her name, the experience and how social work deals with diverse people, how diverse locations, diverse circumstances, diverse physical and emotional life challenges, diverse problems and crises. And looking at all this, they said, well, what would it look like if we had a social worker on our staff that could help us be great at caring for each other? So within weeks, they hired her on our staff to help us excel in this area. And her job is to equip the Skillman Church of Christ to intervene compassionately in the social system and to enhance caring with interpersonal relationships in ways that are consistent with Christian maturity. So in her own words, this is what, it, what she wants to do. This support ministry will seek to honor God by seeing the needs of others as he does. This ministry will boldly be his hands and feet to demonstrate compassion with the provision of tangible help, support, and resources for improved spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being during real-life events, crisis, change, or express needs. To, to summarize all this, basically, we're going to slay at caring for each other. We're going to kill it. We're going to do this, and we're going to do it right, and we're going to be known for our love, and there's not going to be a single person that falls through the cracks in this church. Those that are hungry will be fed. Those that are at home will be visited. Those that need stuff will be, will be uh, provided those things. That is our goal. That is the mission because God sees everyone we also want to see. So right off the bat, she has identified 25 different areas with elders help. We had this brochure right here on the uh, In Your... Uh, bulletin, and it talks a little bit about her job. So at your leisure, read this, uh, and it'll tell you some of the needs that we have uh, going on here and some hopes and dreams that we have for this position. At the same time, uh, does anybody know what a podcast is? Does anybody know what a podcast is? All right, so uh, here's your assignment. is uh, We have interviewed Nora. Uh, it's about a 30-35-minute interview that where she tells her story uh, where she tells her vision for what caring will look like here at Skillman. So when you get home, go to your Apple or your phone and subscribe to the Skillman Church of Christ uh, podcast. And uh, it'll be an interview uh, with her that talks about uh, what she hopes. And so please listen to that, and that will give you a greater vision of what's going to happen. But to be clear, just to be clear... This position doesn't mean that Nora is going to do all the visiting <laughs> and all the caring. And that she's the one that's going to put it all on her shoulders. What the dream is, is that her, her gifts and her talents and her experiences will allow us to create a systematic way uh, for us to get involved and for those that are on the margins not to be forgotten. Here's a question I have for all of you guys. How many of you would love to be a, a, a part of caring for those in this church. So we get about 20%. <laughs> raise your hand. Let me say it. Raise your hand if you would like to be a part of caring for people in this church, even if that means just praying for people. All right. There we go. 100%. There we are. We're on, we're on the right track here. 
Now, here's another question. How many of you feel intimidated about where to start, what to say, where to begin, and how to be that person of peace? I think uh, I could also raise my hand as well on that. And so our hopes and dreams, as we want to be a church who cares, we also want to be a church that trains how to care for each other. Uh, How can we be a source of life to those that need to be seen? And again, this is not something that we want to be okay at. It's something that we want to be great at because God is the one who sees. God is the one who sees. Out of the spring of God, it's it's based on the fact that God saw, sees each and every one of us in our deepest need. We also want to do the same. And let me ask you this to close. If it's not each other, if we're not caring for each other, for those that are on the margins and the needs, who else will do it? Who else? I think it falls on our shoulders to care for each other. And this is the reason why we're speaking about it now and why we're so passionate about this moving forward. So uh, this sermon, I'd like to end with three tangible things that you can do today. And we're going to try to do this every once in a while, give you guys three things, tangible things you can do each and every week. So the first is to listen to the Skillman podcast. So go to listen to the interview with Nora. So figure that out. That's step one. Number two, talk to Nora. Nora, we stand up again just so you, you know. If we could just, and where will you be after services? All right, right here. So step two is somehow during the course of this week or sometime, talk to Nora. And, and just, you will be encouraged by talking to her. And the third thing is practice stepping in someone else's shoes. Just like this video that we saw, practice that within your own life. Seeing each other, the humanity in each other, stepping in that person's shoes and allowing empathy and compassion to develop while, while trying to, to think about how they are dealing with life. Each Sunday, we offer an invitation. We have an invitation, and of course today the invitation is to be people of compassion, to see each other. But we also want to give an invitation for those who need prayers. And so as we are about to sing this last song today, uh, the elders will be on the sides of this congregation. If you have any prayers whatsoever, or if you have an area of need, this is what it's all about. If you need to be cared for, please come and talk to the elders on the side or the person next to you, or I'll be up here. If you want any more questions about baptism and how, how that works and to be a part of that, please come and talk to me. Why don't you come while together we stand and we 